Hello, gorgeous friends. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. You know, I've always said that one thing is for sure, and that's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hopes that we'll allow others to feel seen, heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. And this is our third season. You know, when I started out this podcasting journey, I had no idea where it was going to go. But here we are, having some much-needed conversations around our enoughness, our confidence, and how to own our truth. This season, we're coming together to acknowledge what we've been through and to own the story powerfully without shame and declare that we want more for ourselves. So if you're just joining, welcome. And here's some deets about me. I'm an empowerment coach and a confidence coach, a motivational speaker, a gender equality advocate, and a goal-crushing boss. I love all things dance and even more things travel. I love to laugh, and I've realized that I have a very low tolerance for surface conversation. So it's going to get real over here. But the hope is that you always walk away with something to help you on your journey. And listen... I've been on my own journey in embracing my enoughness for a very long time. I've had to unlearn the toxic narratives that have taught me to abandon myself for far too long. And my obsession with unlearning, well, we're going to be focused on that in season three. And it comes from a desire to connect with you in a deeper, more honest way. To reclaim the fire that we know is living inside of each of us, rather than hyper-focusing on the things within ourselves that we're told we need to fix. Each week, either myself or another incredible guest will will be dropping gems on all things confidence, empowered action, and what we've been consciously unlearning to show up as our fullest selves. The goal is to create space for meaningful, authentic conversation, all while embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way, and to help you align even closer with your truth. Consider me your personal coach throughout these episodes, your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. All right, we are back with another episode of Embracing Enough, the podcast brought to you by Enough Labs. And I know I say this every time, but I am so excited to be having this conversation with two, I want to say, more than friends. They are like brothers to me. These two men have decided to jump into the deep end of the Embracing Enough podcast. And just before we hit record, we were talking about the fact that admittedly, I definitely have had a bit of a bias to be interviewing a lot more women than I have men. And I think I am, this is an invitation for me to sort of unlearn the ways that I have typically been doing things. And this season is really just such an opportunity to expand this conversation, uh, to hear from different perspectives, um, because that's what Embracing Enough is all about. It's about hearing people's stories, checking in around like how these issues have been impacting them and and just and just getting real so i just want to thank 
these two men, Carson and Eddie, for joining us on the Embracing Enough podcast. How are you guys? What up? How are you? I'm good. So, so glad to have you both here. Like I said, you both have, you know, we, we've, I feel like we've kind of grown up together in D.C. You know, not that we see each other every single day, but we are definitely staying in touch over the last two years, it's been a crazy ride. Lots of highs, lots of lows, life changes, new family members. I just, I just you know, we've, we've seen each other through it all. So, um, so thank you. Thank you. We, um, I, I let you guys know that on the show, we really like to open it up just by, you know, hearing from people's stories, really just sharing, like, who you are. So why don't we start there? Carson, what's your story? Yeah, that's a tough question, I guess. Um, where should I start? I was born in this area, Italian-American. It's, I would say, kind of hard coming up in this area as an Italian-American because there weren't many around. Um, we were very, very few. So I found myself always uh, belonging to more along the lines of the minority groups, um, Latinos, uh, Arabs, you know, whatever. Like, that's that's who I was with. That's who I spent my time with growing up. Um, as a youngster, I loved, uh, I just loved all the art forms because my father's a musician. Um, and mine was more like, you know, drawing, graffiti, stuff like that. Um, and... I actually met Eddie in high school, which was, uh, it was kind of a coincidence, but it was cool nonetheless, and we got to know each other pretty well, and just recently, um, after college, kind of bumped into each other again, so, uh, yeah, now I work for USAID, working on um, all kinds of conflict, post-conflict stuff, um, I guess that's the gist of it. And you are a father, expectant, expectant father, husband. <laughs> yeah, I mean that question's like loaded, though. Dude. Like, I mean, <laughs> Why is it loaded? How do I define myself? You yeah. Know what I mean? um, is it my career? Is it mm. my upbringing? Is it my current uh, situation? Yeah, father of two soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, wonderful wife that I love very much and has been a friend of mine for 20 years. So uh, I think that's the part of my life I'm the most proud of. It's so, well, first of all, I just got emotional hearing that. Beautiful wife that I know is is an amazing, amazing woman here. So cheers for her to bringing us all together. Um, I also think it's really interesting, Carson, because you bring up a really you know, valid point. We're all here sitting, recording this from Washington, D.C., a city that tends to define identity through what you do versus the question of, like, who are you and who's your story? And so we're, you know, we're, it's our experience, our identity is so layered from where we grew up to what we were exposed to to what we choose. So, you know, no wrong answers there, for sure. <laughs> it's all more than enough. <laughs> and what about you, Eddie? What's your story? Uh, from the area also, uh, Lebanese background. Um, and like Carson, you know, I kind of had a tough growing up in terms of fitting in because um, 
you know, in the area, they weren't very friendly towards Middle Easterns. Um, and then back home, I was considered like too American. Um, so, you know, I had to kind of find my medium and it was sports. Um, you know, I was getting in a lot of trouble um, back home in Lebanon and here. Um, and so my parents, you know, kind of needed it was it was either like going off to boarding school in Canada or getting my shit together. Well, sorry, I'm not you, to curse. Yes, you can curse. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and so you know, my mom was the one who got me into basketball. Um, would go to the park with me, um, like almost every day, like shoot around. Um, so I got really good, and then in football as well. Um, and then in high school, I was a freshman, and I met Carson. He was a senior. And we kind of just vibe because, you know, we just like had that same energy in terms of like the what he just kind of explained and what I was what I was saying. Um, and, you know, uh, from there, just kind of trying to find myself um, in, in my career and then just my personal life. Um, now I'm at State Department, um, you know, and then I just got a couple side gigs going on and and that's it really just taking it day by day, I guess. Amazing. And, and just, I mean, when we think about who we are in our stories, it's never one thing that defines us. Right. And I think what's, what's so amazing, obviously, you know, I obviously resonate with Carson being Italian American, also Cape Verdean American. And, um, you know, just this, and with you, Eddie, and your Lebanese background, like this sense of belonging, I think it's something that I don't think the three of us have actually talked a lot about, but especially when you're in high school and figuring out like where do you belong when there's this like piece of your identity that feels so different than your classmates. Did you did you guys go through that? For sure. Mm. Um, you know, I was I was the guy who had like the fake ID in high school, right? So uh, I didn't. At, at, at That's so I surprising. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I wasn't really hanging out. And this is kind of maybe um, just because I grew up around a lot of older people. Like, my cousins were always older. Um, and, you know, growing up, it was always that, like, you have to be a t- you have to be tough, like, if you're the guy in the family. So I grew up with my older cousins, and, like, you know, they beat you up, and you can't cry. And um, I just didn't click with anyone in my high school, like, early on. Um, so, you know, I had my fake ID. I'd go out with those older cousins um, and and just or hang out with, like, in, with Carson's class, you know, um, as an undergrad, just because, like, you know, that's what I was used to. And um, as I got older in high school, you know, I, I try to make more of an effort to kind of become friends with, with my classmates. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, it was cool, but, you know, I, I just still never felt like, these guys get me um, because they were just like, I don't know, just everybody was so sheltered, you know, like they all were like kind of privileged, um, had like, you know, a comfortable life with their family. Um, whereas like, you know, my dad was struggling with work. Um, I was working at a young age. Um, my mom was also working late. Um, so, you know, I, you, like I said, you grew up really fast. And so, I didn't really have much in common, uh, but I was friends with everybody. I just didn't really like, never really click, you know? 
Yeah, that's deep. Yeah, I would just say we we, we went to a private Catholic school, so yeah, uh, that kind of that kind of explains some of it. Like both of us were a bit of outcasts uh, because of our you know our prior experience and potentially some of our future experience, but exactly, um, yeah. But I mean, we were we were both like. I think we were both there because of getting into too much trouble. Um, I, I mean, we could. I could only. I was only allowed to go to that school because my mom's paid. My mom's job paid for it. Uh, we couldn't afford it, and they didn't really let me in. I remember going into my freshman year, I wasn't accepted into the school, and my mom went to the principal with like homemade Lebanese sweets and like begged the principal. I forgot his name, Birch or something, and. Yeah. Uh, and was like, you, you have to let my son in because his father's going to ship him out. So I promise you, he'll be a good boy. Like whatever. Don't and don't like, mess with I, a Lebanese mom's son. Okay, she will I go to the end you. of the earth. She, I was like, what are you doing, man? And she, uh, she got me in. Like it, this was like August first, and we started class like end of August. I was in that school, so you know, mamas make it happen. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, as a youngster. I was like, you know, hanging out with gangs and stuff. So um, we had a couple big events uh, that summer. I think after my eighth grade, <clears throat> uh, where I got into some serious issues with them, and my mom was just like, "You're going to private school. Like that's it." You know, you're going to Catholic school. You're gonna, you're gonna get your shit together, like one way or another. And um, and so, so I did. But you know, similar to Eddie, like my grandfather, from you know, who was raised mainly in Brooklyn, um, uh, came up through the Great Depression, and everything in our family had that mentality of like, you don't have shit. We're not gonna give you shit but you're going to figure it out and you're going to make it happen, you know? For sure. So it's like the drive was there, but that wasn't necessarily uh, building self-confidence. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's no. discouraging, but also motivating in a way. And that's the mentality that we were brought up under, which is like, um, kind of everything's, everything's fucked up, but you're still going to make it. You know, like you're gonna go out there and you're gonna make it. Um, you have to make it because, like, you'll be on the streets if you don't. Like, you there's it's that's the motivation. It's not like someone's telling you like you could do it. Come on, I believe in you. It's like, what are you gonna do? You have like that's how it was, like for us all the way through college. You know, I had to pay my way through school. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was it wasn't like I was like yo, I have something to fall back on. I didn't. That's yeah. the motivation. The messaging, yeah, the messaging around like buckle down, put your head down, like figure it out, not necessarily like with the encouragement or loving support or, you know, there's a very different experience. I think when you grow up in a family of immigrants who have gone through a very different experience, there's a very different conversation around expectations with respect to the role that you're supposed to play. And we'll get into all of that in a second. But I want to talk about something, Carson, you just mentioned around confidence. You guys have heard me in my journey. 
um, with enough labs. And I talk a lot about the statistic that a girl's confidence peaks at age nine. And what that looks like in terms of the cliff that girls sort of fall off of in terms of the way that they see themselves, the way that they project you know, their, their abilities and, and the comparison and the self-doubt, like feels like it just gets exacerbated throughout those teenage years. But talk to me about what it felt like or looked like for you both in terms of your confidence, you know, navigating a very different high school experience. Um, Would you say I that? Really have, mm-hmm. I didn't have confidence in high school as mm-hmm. much as I did, like I mentioned, like with the older crowd, you know, like for some reason outside of school, I was like, I felt like, I'm, you know, I was, or like in sports, I was, I was like the man. But for, in school, I always felt like I didn't fit in because mm-hmm. I didn't play lacrosse and I didn't have like, you know, cool hair or like whatever. And I didn't have cool clothes or a cool car. Um, you know, I was going to work and then like jumping on the bus to go to, I mean, going to school and then jumping on the bus to go to work um, or come home. Or really, I just wanted to, I hated school. Like I would go to like look at girls and hang out with my friends. Like I didn't really, I, that's that's what I wanted. I didn't care, you know? Um, so I didn't really have confidence. And then, you know, I was, I was shy around people in my school because um, you know, like I didn't, like I mentioned, I didn't feel like they, I was accepted and maybe that was like my own, um, perception. Maybe they did. And I just didn't give them a chance. Um, uh, but, um, uh, I just, I didn't feel like I had any confidence, um, uh, until my senior year, really. Mm-hmm. I faked it, but I, inside I was like, man, this shit sucks. Mm. You know? Mm. What about you, Carson? Yeah, I would just go back to that again, um, that sort of mentality that we were brought up under, um, which I think is is typical of of the male version of of this story, coming of age story, which is like, even your own family kind of lets you fall, you know, lets you get hurt, doesn't, doesn't like baby you, doesn't, doesn't. Uh, you know, say like, everything's going to be okay. You, you know, you're going to figure it out. Everything's going to be all right. Um, because they want you to be hard. Mm-hmm. They want you to be prepared for what else you're going to face in life. And they're more worried about how that is going to affect you than how you're feeling at that moment. Mm-hmm. They're already like pre-thinking, you know. <laughs> and, and my mother was worse than my dad. I mean, my, my father was... Um, you know, it's interesting with the with the Italians. Uh, the Northerners went to California and the Southerners went to New York, right? And so my father came from California. He had a whole different mentality. He was like a hippie and like everything was love and, you know, emotion and whatever. And he, you know, encouraged like poetry and arts and all this stuff. My mom was just like, you know, you better get your shit together because like I'm not carrying, you know. <laughs> and and I don't, I don't mean to... to to uh you know say anything negative about my mom because it was very influential in a good way of building me up and making me strong but it wasn't necessarily again encouraging for for confidence building um self-confidence and feeling like safe and Mm -hmm. and comfortable and you know you can do anything it was just like no i'm gonna like i'm gonna kill if i have to to make things happen you know i'm gonna I'm going to survive. 
Um, For sure. So yeah, I would say it was similar, but just to, to add to that, Dina, um, you know, what it brings to my mind when you say that is, is my daughter, mm-hmm. right? And, and when you say at nine is like a cliff that mm-hmm. they fall off of, uh, I have a very difficult time not doing the same thing to my daughter. So my wife is saying, you know, you need to encourage her. You need to tell her that she's great. You need to uh, recognize her successes, build her confidence. Like if she says she's the best, then you're like, hell yeah, you are. You're the best, right? But I was brought up the opposite way. So everything in my history tells me that I should be like, don't be too confident, you know, and and I'm not going to spoil you and you got to make your own way and all that mentality. Um, and it's hard to get rid of that. So when you talk about, when you talk about uh, unlearning things, right? Like I, I, I want her to be confident. I want her to be happy. I want her to be safe. But I have this fear that she's going to be too confident, that she's going to feel too safe, that she's going to be, you know, and, and I have to fight myself on that so that I don't block her from her own growth mm-hmm. and development. For context, for, for the listener, um, Carson's daughter, Sumi, is the fiercest little girl I have ever met. And I know a lot of fierce girls. And I want to just challenge you, Carson, a little bit. What happens if she's, quote unquote, too confident? Why do you see that as being a bad thing or something to be concerned about? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'd like to hear what um, what Eddie thinks about it, because I'm watching that uh, documentary right now about Kanye's life. Right. Yeah. And there are some people that you just got to say, like, that was that a game changer, man. That confidence, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's like you come with the same, uh, the same gratitude for what he did. He he projected, right? He projected positively. He manifested everything. Yes, he created his own destiny, but and also um, shout out to uh, Will Will Smith who did the same thing. Um, yeah or portrayed the same thing in the movie King Richard. Um, mm. But uh, but th- there's also equal hate on Kanye. And mm-hmm. I can't say that I don't feel the same way. Um, but, but to cut you off real quick, his mom gave him the best confidence, which is like, it was like, it took me back, man. It was awesome because he got, he got, as people want to say different after she passed, like he didn't have that, that safety net. So before that though, like she told him he was the best and she told him to like, you know, don't stop, you know? I mean, it speaks to a larger conversation. I think men or women like where you get grounded in that sense of safety and that sense of trust in yourself, that belief like that's unwavering. I think all of those elements are like foundational pillars of your confidence. So when you think about like Carson for Sumi, where she's going to go for emotional safety and to feel like she can do anything, you know, oftentimes it's looking at our parents as the model. And in particular, you know, not just, I think as, as young girls, oftentimes we're looking to, 
you know, obviously our mothers, but also our fathers as, as, as that model of, um, you know, sort of that unconditional support. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's going to evolve, but, um, I wonder if there's anything that either of you feel like has been internalized that we internalize this messaging of like, if you're too confident, that's not necessarily like a good thing, right? We're all, we're all around the same age, that messaging coming from our parents of like, don't, don't be too much. Don't be this, don't be that. Right. What Eddie, you're shaking your head. What is, what does it sound like for you? I I mean, I'm like the biggest mama's boy since I was like a kid. Right. And, my dad, like, he was my best friend, but as, like, um, I looked up to him, you know, and, like, we joked around, and he was my boy, and, like, you know, whatever, but, you know, ever since I was a kid, he was, like, he was scared to, like, um, to, to do too much or to go over the top. Like, he was always, like, yo, I just go do my job, and I come home, and I make sure y'all are fed, and the heat is on, like, he was like, the number one thing is just make sure that everyone respects you. Like, don't try to be, like, I, I always wanted to be an actor. That was, like, my thing as a kid. And I always tell him, and he's like, no, man, that's not going to pay the bills. Like, what do you want to, like, live in a, a, one, a bedroom and, like, be a waiter until you make it? Like, and my mom was like, you could do it, like, kind of thing, you know? Um, but my dad was like, no, you got to get a job. You got you to gotta work. You got to provide. Keep your head down don't piss anyone off and just do your work. And, um, you know, that's why, like, I don't want to say I didn't have confidence, but I never was like, I, I never was wanted to like take a risk until like I got a little bit older, um, in my teens. And my mom would just be like, look, like do it. Like, what do you, but if you fail, like you got to learn from your mistakes and like figure it out. She's like, we can't help you financially, you know, to do what you want to do. If you want to really go do it, you got to do it. And um, I obviously didn't do it because I had to work to help them out. Um, You know how the story goes. Like, you know, you work, you help out the family, and then you do what you do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like Carson was saying is that um, they, they, they never, my dad never wanted me to be too cocky, even in like sports. Like if I was like, you know, like I said, I was pretty good. I was balling. And then he would, like, in the car, not not point out the mistakes I made, but, like, you know, he'd be like, good job, but you could have done, you know, you could have played better defense or, like, why did you, like, don't talk shit. Like, just play your game at the game, you know? And I'd be like, damn, man, like, can't I just get, like... One compliment? Like, like, and, and, like, you know, as I got older, I realized what he was doing. It was just, like, you know, he also never wanted me to, like, feel like... um I'm better than anybody, you know, like, again, goes back to like the respect thing. It was like, you got to like, make sure that you're not looked at as like this cocky asshole type. Mm. Um, and which I was, and I still am, you know, I don't care. Uh, but, um, obviously I didn't really listen to him. Um, but, but like, you know, I get what he was saying. And like, I, my, my fear is if I have kids, God willing, like Carson was saying, I don't want to be like too hard on them, but I also don't want to be like, Yo, do go do whatever you want. Like if you want, if you think you're like a a unicorn, that's fine. You could be a unicorn kind of thing. Like I want him to be like a little bit realistic as well. Like you know, the world sucks a little bit. You got to keep your guard up. Um, but, but I don't know, man. Like I, I'm just I, that's just how it is. I feel like I'm gonna be. So I think you raise a really good point, Dina. 
of like, what are you worried about? Mm. You know, um, if you're encouraging your daughter to be a strong, independent, confident woman, what are you scared that's going to happen as a result of that? And I think, um, I think that question is a valid point. I mean, there's a, there's an aspect of, um, being realistic. And so allowing yourself to set smaller goals and smaller objectives so that, you know, they can reach them. Um, there's an aspect of, uh, humility and, um, and how you carry yourself and the risk of, you know, pissing people off by being too confident or not having um, friends or being able to maintain relationships because you're too confident. Um, but in the end of the day, the downside to those things is pretty insignificant. And the hard times that they're going to face are going to happen either way. They'll probably be a little bit better suited to handle them if they're more confident rather than less confident. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that was the, the mentality that, that we were brought up in, um, which was, you know, be humble, yeah. right? Mm. Be, be humble, be respectful. Don't, you know, don't like be too big for your britches. Don't think that you can do anything, you know, but in hindsight, like it took me until 30 to ever feel for a moment that like shit I could do anything mm. I could have done anything from way back then but I didn't believe that until now you know and I still don't but like there were moments when I did you know what I mean well let's let's unpack that for a second because I, you know just like women I think men internalize messaging of how they're supposed to be what's possible you know, in, in particular, I think this aspect of like being the protector, right? And, and, and what it really is, it, what it represents is this internalized misogyny that men and women are complicit in. When I think about what you just said, Carson, of like what, what is at risk for your daughter or, you know, like to be too confident, I think frankly, it speaks to like the world that is, I'm sorry to say, not sorry, like inherently sexist. It's inherently not a space in this moment. I hope that it'll be different when Sumi's older of like really being able to celebrate a woman who's so confident, you know, and even in that, in that experience of like what you've been through or the mindset that you grew up in of like, can I really like move through the world and thinking that anything is possible? Well, realistically, I, no, because of what, what I was exposed to. So let's talk about like what internalized messaging you both are reflecting on now as adults. What are the messages that you received in terms of like being strong, being the protector, you know, never showing any signs of, uh, I don't know, weakness? <laughs> yeah. am, I, am I landing? Is, is anything uh, tracking here? No, you're right. All right. Eddie, what messages um, did you internalize? So, I mean, it's it kind of happened recently. Um, you know, I, I've never in my life talked to anybody about any problems that I've ever had. Um, and I just recently talked to a therapist 
um, about some shit. And, um, you know, even when my dad was like going through his illness and he got sick, you know, I felt like I had no time to grieve. I had to be there for my mom and be there for my family um, and do what I had to do. And I think that really, you know, it, well, I know it did. It like really burned a lot of relationships that shouldn't have been broken uh, because of I didn't want anyone to see me weak. And I think I took out my frustration on those that were close to me of like, stop asking me if I'm okay. You know, I'm good. Let me just, you know, let's just move on and do what we got to do. And, you know, when you hold, all hold that all in, eventually, you know, the pipes are going to burst. Um, and until recently, you know, I was like, man, I got to talk to somebody because, you know, I, I fucked up with some shit and, um, I didn't want to repeat what I, what happened. Um, and so it made me realize, you know, growing up why I was the way I was, it was because like, you know, I was always like seeing everybody always had their own problems, you know? And like, I didn't want to burden anyone with mine. Um, you know, I saw my dad struggling financially working two or three jobs. My mom, you know, like, you know, my, my mom has been going through what you're talking about since, like, early 80s. Like, a woman in the workplace not being taken seriously. And she'd come home, like, frustrated and, like, complain. Like, you know, they just think I'm, like, some secretary type or whatever, you know? And so um, if I had, like, a bad day or whatever, uh, I'm not going to – I wasn't going to go to them and tell them, like, you know, something happened to me when I know they got way bigger problems – and so, like, I took it out on my brother. Like, I was a bully to him, and I was mean to him. Um, or I would, like, you know, take it out, hanging out with friends and getting into trouble, like, rebelling, whatever. Um, and so, like, that, like, was like a cycle. Like, it just kept happening as I got older in high school. Same shit. Getting into a lot of fights, doing stupid stuff. Um, you know, then it, like, kind of got a little bit more serious with, like, partying too hard to forget, like, kind of you know, what I was going through and like that cycle, then that, that stopped. And then, um, you know, when things were good, things were good. But when something bad would happen, it was like, kind of like fall back into that cycle until recently when I started talking to this um, therapist, it was like, you know, you got to find ways to express, you know, how you feel, write it down, go to the gym, whatever, talk to somebody. And like, you know, I, I realized, like, I can call a friend up and be like, yo, I really got to talk to you. And if they don't say I'm busy, then I won't be shy or, like, hold back to let them know what I'm feeling. And that's really helped. Like, even if I call you, Dina, once in a while, or actually you call me. Um, Thank you. Let's keep it real yeah, uh, here yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, you call me. And, like, you know, I'll vent to you for a little bit. And, like, that will make me feel so much better. And it's like, yo, this is, like, this is good. Like, you know what I mean? And, like. I would never thought in my years that I would be doing that. Um, and, you know, these like small little victories to me, like are, are really opening up my eyes to like realize it's okay to like, you know, be a little weak or I guess to the term weak. Let's say, really let's weak. maybe say vulnerable. Let's say um, open. <laughs> yeah. Open. Open's a right. Word. I mean, yeah, the, I, open. I, I say that, I mean, no, listen, I, I want to acknowledge in this moment. Can we like, please celebrate the space of vulnerability amongst this conversation with two men. I feel like this type of conversation has to be happening a lot more often. And we need I to mean, normalize. I don't know about a lot more, but it's good right now. <laughs> we need to normalize. <laughs> it. You know, 
He's working on the once a week. Just let's yeah. just get him done. Let's be honest. I check. <laughs> I check in with Eddie probably once a month, if that. Baby steps. Baby Baby steps. steps. But but really, I mean, just you said something earlier, Eddie, that I think that that really needs to be highlighted again is that is that feeling of feeling like a burden to people. And when you are made to feel like a burden, even if it's in your home where that was never actually or directly communicated, Mm -hmm. you carry that into the workplace, you carry it into your friendships, you carry it into your relationships, where it creates this story for you, this narrative that my my problems don't matter. I mean, I'm expected to serve a role and I can't show that I need support in this moment. I can't I can't really expose myself in what I'm dealing with. And and that's that shit is heavy. Man or woman. Yeah, no, definitely it's um, it was like a fear of mine that like, you know, if I told somebody how I felt, they're going to look at me as like, I'm not reliable or like, you know, um, I'm weak or I'm like soft, you know? Um, and you know, Carson knows this, like we grew up where like, you had to be like a hard ass. You had to be like tough because, um, you'd just be like, you'd be on, you'd be left, like you'd be left out uh, out of everything. Um, and uh and i'm talking more in terms of like um financial stuff or you know like opportunities um so i never wanted to be like that that guy who was like always bitching or always having like problems or always like complaining so you know i didn't um where in fact like i feel like if i had i might have been uh less you know had less insecurities about myself um as i got older Mm. Yeah. Carson, what are you thinking with this conversation in terms of the messages that you internalized? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, again, uh, my relationship with my parents, my father was probably the more open, more communicative, more like emotionally aware person. Um, We could always talk to him, uh, which was nice. But then you know, as you get out in the world, you realize not only does nobody else want to hear it, but on top of that, you know, it, it affects your life, right? So when you tell people something that might be conceived or perceived as weak, it affects your life, like literally. And, and for young boys, um, you know, quite physically, right? So like the way that you're seen determines like how often you get into fights or uh, whether people think you can stand up for yourself or um, all that stuff. And I will say like, you know, there was an aspect of bravery getting involved in fighting, getting involved in, you know, hanging out with like thugs and stuff. But the bottom line was, you know, you were gonna be getting your ass kicked all the time or you were going to be one of them Mm. and so in that mentality you know we chose or i chose to be one of them right um it was it was it was a weird thing right like it truly my personality wasn't necessarily fit for that and a lot of times when we got into serious stuff you know i was like i don't belong here like Mm. this isn't for me but um, 
but it was better than the other side, you know, mm-hmm. better than being the, the guy in the, in the target, you know, at least I knew when they were going to like bring a gun to school or mm-hmm. try to kill somebody or whatever. Like, you know, those were the kind of things that I was dealing with when I was in seventh and eighth grade. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it was like, for me, it was like, you, you're screwed either way, right? You're either going to be, never know when it's going to hit you and you're still going to get hit or you're going to be part of the problem, but at least you know what's, what's coming. And I think I spent a lot of my life trying to be that one that knows what's coming. But I would say just like Eddie, that, you know, I got myself into a lot of trouble. Um, uh, even, even after college, even in my, in my, you know, place of employment and stuff where I went to places that like, I wasn't quite ready for, um, went into conflict zones, went into the, you know, very, very underdeveloped environments where like people were suffering and, um, that hit me hard. And I did kind of the same thing that Eddie just described. I, I just like pushed it down, drank a lot, partied a lot, you know, and tried to avoid the reality. And then sooner or later it comes back and it hits you, you know, you can't, you can't avoid it. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I've used I've used therapy as well. I mean, I think that's been really helpful. Um, but you know, I think there's a big part of being a young boy where you're like, I just gotta dive into it, right? I know I'm gonna get my ass kicked. I know I'm gonna get I'm gonna you know have a negative impact on other people's lives. But like the opposite choice is worse, hmm. you know. And in hindsight, those were just horrible decisions, right? You just couldn't get your mind around, you know, trying to avoid that, that shit and trying to become something better and, and being confident enough not to need to rely on, um, others, but, uh, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's just, uh, for me, it's just like the movies, like, you know, everyone wants to idolize it, but it's actually the worst thing you can do for yourself is to get involved in all that shit. And the only reason you're doing it is because of fear. The other, the other uh, alternative is even worse from your perspective. What, whether it's like getting involved with sort of the wrong crowd in middle school or high school to, you know, jumping into extreme work situations. We all share that between the three of us of working in international development. And the fact that we like pour ourselves into these different spaces to me in this moment brings up like this fierce desire for belonging for acceptance like because on some level i think we've internalized a message i'm gonna i'm gonna just go out on a limb and say men and women of like internalizing this message that we have like something to prove and for what we're trying to prove is different between men and women right but i hear you carson and eddie and it's like there's this like this desire to prove something. Is it strength? Is it power? Is it the ability to be depended upon, uh, to be like the, 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 the guy who isn't afraid to jump into any situation? I mean, it's all of these different things that drain us, that force us to have to prove something when it's like, no one asked you to though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if we were to, 
speak to 12-year-old Carson and 12-year-old Eddie, what advice would you give them? What do you think, Eddie? I'm going to let you take this one first. <laughs> did I just... Did I just stump you both? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I would tell twelve-year-old Eddie anything different, except you know, uh, enjoy your life, like have fun, and just um, do what you want to do. But don't get in trouble. Like do it legally, mm. I guess. Um, but you know, don't be afraid to be to do what you want or be who you want to be, um, because that was like. You know, I I didn't really have a childhood. Um, I mean, I did. My, my my parents definitely like made sure that um, we didn't feel the effects. You know, or we didn't on the outside. It didn't look like we were struggling or whatever. Even at home, like they didn't want me and my brother to feel like we were struggling. Uh, but you know, um, I didn't have like the typical like white picket fence and and all that stuff. You know. Um, but I, I still had like a great, I'm so grateful for everything, you know, that, that we got. So, um, that, that I would just tell 12 year old, just have fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think easier said than done. Right. Like, right. for sure. I totally would. I would have said the same thing, especially throughout high school and, and college. Right. While you're in school, I think like, yeah, huge opportunity with just like, I mean, there's so many controls in place, so many barriers and limitations that protect you from anything really bad happening that you could just enjoy your life, you know, and you get these long breaks in between. It's like, <laughs> that was the best time ever, but it was so hard to enjoy mm -hmm. because you always yeah. had something, you know, over your shoulder, behind your back or whatever that you were worried about. Um, but hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So I, I, yeah, I, I think the hardest part for me was uh, my freshman year of college. And when you talk about Dina, what you're saying about that sense of, I guess, trying to fit in or 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 thinking we need to fit in, because you know I was a freshman when nine eleven happened, and so uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story, real quick. So before school started, um, I was man, I was like killing it on campus. Um, like I was, I was the man. Right. And like, cause I was taking a summer class and I stayed down there and just like loving it, all the parties, everything was cool or whatever. Um, girls, all that. And then, you know, school starts end of August. So for like the first three weeks, everything was, I was killing it. And then nine 11 hit and man, like within the hour, like, I would walk this way, everybody would walk that way. Um, you know, and like, luckily, you know, I was pretty strong-minded that like, I didn't, I, I didn't like break down, right? Like, um, but I was getting in fights, like the local police pulled me out of my car, like beat the shit out of me. Uh, my professors were like, yo, the kids don't feel safe. You, you come into school with a class, we'll just send the TA, they'll send the assignments. Um, the guy that lived in my dorm, like wrote me a note, like, Hey man, I don't feel safe living with you. So he left, <laughs> I mean, you know what? I was like eating meals with like the cafeteria lady. Um, and so, um, 
Cause like, you know, I would walk and like, if I would walk too late, I'd get, I'd get in fights, you know, I'd get jumped, um, or whatever. Um, and so like it, I got, I had a really good friend who went to school in Philly and I guess he heard like, you know, I mean, I told him what happened. He talked to people there and they were like, yeah, just come here, you know, we'll give you in-state tuition. They kind of like took care of me and like, you know, everything, but my dad was like, yo, don't quit. Like, don't give up at school. Like you got to go finish your year like don't let them see you weak don't let them see that they won kind of thing um like this was winter break you know i was like man fuck that i'm not going back to school and he's like no you're going like whatever and they all failed me anyway i had to repeat i had to repeat all for like my freshman year in philly but you know i always think like if it was somebody else man they would have went crazy like the shit that i went through at 18 at 18 that's it was a lot and like i just was like fuck it you know like i would fight back and to the point where i couldn't fight anymore like i was exhausted from fighting you know or like physically beat up um and so i just kind of like kept to myself and like just let the school year run out um but that was like you know i was like damn man like they don't even know who these got like these dudes that, that hit the towers are like i'm not one of them like what the fuck you know like complete fear i'll never fit in yeah, like, now I'll never fit in. It was, yeah. like, like at first I was, like, damn, you know, I'm just starting to be cool, like, you know, in terms of, like, college kids. Like, I could have this experience, like, I've seen the movies. Like, I always wanted to be, like, go to frat parties and, like, drink and party and do all that. And it was, like, damn, man. Like, I don't – I was, like, all I could focus – all I wanted to do is focus on school. I don't have to worry about work. I don't have to worry about, like, you know, my parents right now. I could just be a kid, you know, and, like – that shit didn't happen either mm. until I got to Philly. And then those were like the best four years. Yeah. Like everybody embraced me. Like it was awesome. Uh, but like that 18 year old, I was like, man, nothing goes right. You know what I mean? Like it, it really sucked. Um, there's, there's these so, yeah. moments in, in our lives. Like I appreciate you sharing that Eddie, because it's just like you get to a, a place where you think you've hit your stride. You think you've gotten into a groove and then yeah. something else, you know, throws you. And it's where, the intersection of, of these internalized beliefs, these, the, these messages of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act, you know, kind of rubs up against, against it. Um, man, I am just like so grateful for this conversation. I really am. I, I have one more question that we really haven't touched upon in this conversation. And that is Uh-oh. relationships. <laughs> What's your, like, when it comes to the messages that men, you know, internalize and have to hold, and we're talking about confidence, you know, how does that, how does that show up in, in your partnerships and your relationships? What's, what's sort of the biggest challenge in navigating that with your partner? Like, you know, Carson, not to put you on the spot, but like, can you open up to your wife about some of the deepest you know, things with confidence or you don't have to give us specifics, but just curious, like how, how it shows up. Well, you know, we're not going to put her on the spot my, here. My, no. my, wife, my wife is really confident. Right? She is. <laughs> and, and thank God, right. Thank God that she is. She's going to raise a very confident daughter and thank God for that too. But it's not easy to to show weakness you know and 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 to be honest she's she's not she's not uh 
necessarily the person that likes to talk about it all that much either. And she's been through some hard stuff. And, you know, like, um, like Eddie, I think, you know, similarly in the Arab community, you want to be an actor or an actress. And it's just like, it's a no-no, right? Like you need to focus on school. You need to, you know, get one of these jobs. You need to just like, right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think she wanted to be an actress too. You know, I think she had, a very comical and vibrant and charismatic personality. Just, you know, Eddie has a huge, a extreme charismatic personality. I've always, I clicked with him like as soon as I met him because of that. Um, and you can see how he makes friends and how he gets out and on the gram and all that, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I would say, I would say it's difficult. You know, I think people rely on each other too much sometimes. Um, they're trying to, like, put their problems on the other person in a relationship, and they have to learn um, that it's their own responsibility to, to manage it. Um, I would say avoidance is a big problem for me. You know, a lot of times I'll just, like, instead of talking about stuff we probably should talk about, you know, I'd rather avoid it. Um and then talking about stuff that I probably shouldn't talk about, you know, I'll raise it and it'll, it'll it won't help anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about unlearning stuff, uh, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was was none of what we've discussed. It was anger, um, and I think you know, I don't. I'm assuming based on what Eddie's just described that he had a similar problem, but um, anger was a big problem for me, and getting mad for little things overreacting, you know, being physical when I didn't need to be physical, not with my wife, but in general throughout my life. Um, and I've only recently come to a place since my first child was born that I like could control, like, you know, Dina, you know, like Italian Americans, we're just, we're known for that. Oh, I know. (laughs) Guilty. We're known for overreacting, and Arabs are too, for that matter. We're, and we're all known Facts. for our horrible timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Facts. And, and, I mean, that's the thing that I've had to unlearn. And, and the thing that I have unlearned uh, mo- more than anything else in my life was like, you know, I was like, when I have a daughter, I'm not going to be like that. Mm. And even though my, you know, parents raised me with that mentality of just like, say whatever you feel at the highest volume that you feel it, you know? Uh, yeah. there's some kind of joy in that, but there's a lot of impact to other people. Mm. Um, and so I've been, I've really, uh, focused on, on learning that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback real quick, uh, it's, it was, I fucked up relationships because like important ones, um, because, um, of, of my anger, of um, just you know, and it was like pent up, and not really angry at the person, just anger at whoever, at the at the world, whatever it was. And I'm you know, and another thing would be um, with relationships for me would be you know to learn to just listen and not try to solve all the problems, um, because I think um, that was my huge like fault, you know um, that fucked up a lot of shit for me um, with important people because I would always try to like alright don't worry I got it I got it and it was like until I really like started talking to this 
doctor, like, it's like, yo, I could just sit back and like wait for them to tell me what's going on and just listen. And sometimes that's way more important than trying to solve the problems. Um, and so like, you know, um, they like, you know, I did burn a lot of bridges with that, but hopefully like moving forward, it'll just make me a better person kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, this, I'm living for this conversation because both of you have shared so generously, so vulnerably, so openly, and, and we've talked about, you know, the perils of parenting, relationships, you know, reflecting on, you know, your own adolescence. It's all in the conversation around confidence and unlearning. And, you know, you both have really opened my eyes in terms of having a deep conversation like this with two men who, you know, I know outwardly project a shit ton of confidence, but I know that there's more going on um, on the inside. And I just appreciate you both being willing to share that. You know, the podcast is all about sharing people's stories. So I know that folks who will be listening, whether they are men or they're wives or moms or <laughs> obviously have men in their lives i think will be exposed to a deeper conversation because of this so i just want to say both to both of you thank you again we're going to close out this episode with the way i've been closing out every episode and so in the spirit of this season of unlearning what are each of you unlearning right now or committed to unlearning you've talked a little bit about it already but is there anything that you haven't shared Learning. I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to do it a little different. Yeah. I'm going to, from the conversation, I definitely think what I've heard for you, Carson, is unlearning, you know, maybe knee jerk reaction to anger. And, and I don't think that's something you're dealing with now necessarily, but managing that, unlearning like this, right? And for Eddie, what I hear in you. And, well, I got one though, but go ahead. Go okay. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I hear like right. n unlearning the need to solve everyone's problems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but so, also, but tell me, what, what do you think? I'm learning to be so hard on myself and learn to forgive myself. Mm. And um, like even the worst things I could, I've done, um, if I, if I, like, if I could grow and learn from, that then I've unlearned to just always be hard on myself mm. and learn uh, unlearn to um, not forgive myself mm -hmm. yeah love that that was way better than my answer did you like how I tried to just mansplain you in a yeah, second yeah, yeah, let yeah, me just yeah, tell yeah, you yeah. what you need to unlearn yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that was not intentional uh, <laughs> what about I you Carson up, something I picked up from Eddie in this conversation was that he's learning to talk right he's always like he he's been comfortable talking but not about himself right he's been comfortable talking but not to express his own suffering his own difficulty forgive himself things like that right and um and i i would say you know just back to your point dina about about some of this is uh whether or not there is any difference between a man and a woman um, in the way we express ourselves, in the way we feel, in the way we try to be or try not to be, right? 
um, or not, uh, the reality is that we think as men that we have to hold it in, that we have to be strong, that we have to keep moving, and that we can't really talk about it, that we don't need to learn an emo uh, appropriate emotional expression of our feelings, right? Because we're not supposed to have any of that. We're just supposed to like keep going and get it done. So what that does is it creates this anger, right? And mm -hmm. so uh, we express it in all these different ways, whether it be you know, on our sisters or our brothers or whether it be on our parents or uh, our relationships, right? Because it doesn't work that way. Like just assuming that you're gonna surpass it at some point, you're gonna overcome it, doesn't work. And because you don't know that you're, you're doing it, um, you're automatically like, you have this, this toxin just mm -hmm. coming out um, on all the people around you. So I, I, I think it's been really hard for me to learn, but particularly in my, in my career, um, I'm trying to learn how to like express myself little by little rather than just blowing up, you know, <laughs> all at one time. Um, and he has some good stories too from his, uh, from his uh, last few jobs where he got a chance to say how he felt. And, you know, I think we've both done that quite a bit in our lives. Um, so figuring out how to, to feel comfortable communicating issues that you have, disagreements that you have, and not just holding it all in until one day you blow up. Can I share with you both what I've taken from this conversation around my own unlearning? Sure. I would have to say that I am in real time unlearning that this belief that men can't express themselves emotionally, like really access that level of vulnerability. I have to say like really vulnerable, transparent moment. I sometimes think that I lead with this, like this belief or opinion that it's easier to express, you know, emotions with women as opposed to like really holding space and like, like learning so much from men and their experiences. I think that there's this, you know, just, uh, it, I'm not proud to admit it, but you both have definitely opened my eyes through this conversation and, and I'm deeply grateful. Is there anything you guys want to share as we close out? I think I'm, I'm, I'm all talked out. You're tapped out. We'll, we'll check back yeah. like in another six months. You're good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just, I'm just happy you're doing it, Dina and, and respect for all your, uh, success thus far. I'm sure you're going to keep, sure. you're going to you. keep being successful. And, thank you. Thank um, you both. You can be a model for my daughter and the future daughter. You know it. Keep, you know it. Keep killing it. <laughs> thank you guys. All right. All right, Dean. Thank you. See you soon. Hey friend, thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there, so the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday when a new episode drops, 
because really we're just here having a conversation looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident badass selves because when you think about it it's all one big experiment right your life can be the lab you get to find your answer and what feels good for you if you walk away from this podcast with one thing let it be you feeling inspired inspired to take bold empowered action on the things that really matter to you so check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that enough labs is doing and be sure to rate and review this podcast you know i live for feedback because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that i am having a blast trying out with and i'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are. Thank you.